Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangasin, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at China's latest space endeavor, which includes plans to take on Elon Musk. We'll also look at the latest drama in the case of Evergrande, one of China's top property developers that's on the cusp of imploding under a mountain of debt. We'll start with space, which isn't a realm we usually explore on this podcast, but this time we'll turn our focus to a recent Chinese media report saying spacecraft and missile manufacturer China Aerospace Science and Industry is preparing to launch a constellation of low Earth orbit communication satellites which would compete with Elon Musk's better-known Starlink. The Chinese company first announced its intent to build a fleet of almost 13,000 satellites in 2020, but progress has reportedly been slow since then. So, Renee, I, I was hoping to use this to sort of talk about, you know, China's ambitions in space more broadly later. But um, let's start by just saying, how, how would you assess China's commercialization of space to date, given especially that it didn't really start its space efforts until the early part of the 21st century, which uh, is roughly 40 years behind the U.S. and Russia? Well, I think that, you know, this is a typical example of um, how China can move uh, relatively quickly when, when it sets its mind on, uh, on doing something. And uh, obviously space, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, has become a very big focus of China and, uh, and the Communist Party in general. And um, they have the ability to uh, be very focused in terms of directing, marshalling resources to reach the objective when the objectives are considered extremely important for national security uh, and and uh, and national strategy overall um the um, they have the means financially uh to invest in that as well um and therefore they have been moving very fast now it's not always uh, you know enough to have money and to be very focused at the political level and execution and so on the uh, technology skills are obviously very important the ability to scale up on new technologies is also extremely important and uh, we've seen that before with the uh, china commercial jet which uh, they started to work on you know a long long time ago and then it took much much longer than everybody thought it would to actually bring it to market and uh, and be able to start selling it to airlines so i don't know uh, what this company is able to do at at what scale uh, but if if there's anything that can come in the way of accomplishing this very quickly that is probably where uh, the difficulties would be. Mm. Otherwise, from a strategy standpoint, political support, financial ability, and so on, there's absolutely no doubt that uh, you know the government is throwing all the important resources behind this effort. Right. I guess, I mean, one place where China differs too, uh, at least recently with the U.S., is the involvement of the private sector, right? I mean, uh, the U.S. You, you know mentioned Elon Musk. Right. He's clearly very private sector, and NASA's really turned to 
private sector and, and satellite launches are being done much more privately, whereas China really, it's all focused on the state sector right now. Um, do you, do you right, but yeah, I mean, there, there are obviously uh, some very specific reasons for that. In the US, NASA has to you know convince the government, the legislators and so on, to give it a big enough budget to conduct whatever strategy they want to conduct in space, which, uh, and then you have all kinds of hurdles for political reasons, difference of opinions between legislators, depending, depends also on the government, uh, who is in the White House and so on, uh, and, uh, and different considerations in terms of how to fund and how much to fund uh, agencies that are government agencies and are often considered and rightly so in a number of cases as not being very efficient and being very bureaucratic so uh, no surprise that in the us nasa has been forced to turn to people like elon musk and so on to try and and you know achieve objectives a lot faster than they would have been able to do on their own. Right. Um, you've got Blue Origin as well, which is the Jeff Bezos slash Amazon um, venture. There's a lot of competition. Now, that, that whole issue of being able to fund a program like that is not an issue at all in China. Once, you know, at the top of the country, it has been decided that this is, that this is in the national interest. So there are two very different systems. Right, right, right. Yeah, it just uh, it seems like sometimes the, the that's like a strong point of the West is turning to these sort of more innovative, faster moving, less bureaucratic private companies to to do things which China doesn't seem like they're getting ready to do anytime soon. We'll see how this uh, new thing goes. Apparently, it hasn't gotten very far yet. Okay, uh, next, next we're going to turn our attention to Evergrande, which is part of the bigger story of China's foundering property market. Evergrande's a bit of a poster child for everything that's wrong with the industry. Uh, it's been struggling under a mountain of debt that includes some bond defaults. The latest report is that the company's failed to agree with its major creditors on a debt restructuring before a key court date later this month. And uh, the report I saw said failure to reach agreement could theoretically result in a court-ordered liquidation of the company. Now, this looks a bit like a potential Lehman moment to me. Uh, and of course, I'm referring to the Lehman Brothers collapse uh, in, in the last big global financial crisis. Um, and you know, at that time, nobody was admitting there was a problem until Lehman famously imploded, you know, even though there were months of warnings in 2007 and probably 2006 that, that things were not going well. Do you see the possibility that something that drastic could happen this time? Or is this all really just a lot of posturing? I don't think that we can compare this to a Lehman moment. Um, the environment is very different. Uh, the uh, uh, business model is, is obviously different from what you see in the West and so on. At the time of Lehman Brothers, um, the uh, regulators decided to walk away from it and, and create an example. I would assume that they thought <laughs> it was that, a big example, eh? Right. I think that they wanted to actually, you know, create a shock that would force people, institutions, to 
realize that you just don't have the ability to be stupid and always be bailed out, uh, at least by the state. Now, the um, size of the problem was big enough that there would be no individual other financial institution would have been able to or wanted to scoop it up, unlike institutions like Bear Stearns and Washington Mutual, which were smaller. When you look at China, once again, the the system is very different. The uh, uh, real estate ownership in China, at least as long as people buy apartments and houses um, to live in them, is is uh, very fundamental to the way that Chinese society works and lives and so on, and and to some extent it, it you know it's something that the Communist Party um, has wanted to promote um, as um, a part of development of the country, allowing people to be able to have decent places to live. And so on, and I think to some extent as well, a bit of wanting people to feel that their wealth is uh, growing and therefore they own all of that to the Communist Party and everything is fine. Therefore, whether it's at the central level or, or the local level, provincial, local level, it is going to be near impossible to take a view that, you know, you can just let the whole thing collapse and crumble because the consequences would be extremely dire. And we've seen uh, in parts of the country, people discontinuing the payment of their mortgage obligations on a monthly basis because they were not sure that they would get their apartment uh, finished and delivered to them. And that in itself already created a lot of pressure on governments and so on. So just imagine what would happen if if it went much faster, harder than that, that would be a huge national problem in China. So not likely to happen, number one. Number two, there are efforts at the level of local governments in particular to help slash force some of the developers. And I was told earlier today that that definitely applies to Evergrande to finish projects and deliver the apartments to uh, people who most of the time have already pretty much paid 100% for what what they wanted to buy. So there will definitely be efforts there. The expectation is that, you know, somehow, somewhere, some of these projects will not be finished and, and some will run into trouble and will not be rescued. It seems that... Uh, The uh, chairman of Evergrande doesn't really have a lot of friends at the level of the central government in Beijing, or doesn't anymore, (laughs) and therefore has kind of become uh, seemingly uh, somebody that the government wants to publish and humiliate publicly to, you know, make an example for everybody else a little bit, it seems to me, the way that they treated Jack Ma when they started to agitate about, you know, all the uh, e-commerce sector and, and all of that. Right. I mean, if, if that's your argument, wouldn't that be the perfect case for letting Evergrande collapse, sort of like, like you're, you know, as an example for everybody else without letting it spread too much? Well, I think, I think the issue is, is whether you want to kill it 
um, or just <laughs> wound it very seriously, but not kill it completely so that Chinese individual people do not get hurt in the process. And I'm sure that there's been a lot of analysis and look at it at uh, all levels of government in China to see what would happen in this scenario or another scenario or whatever. If investors lose money, I don't think that the government would, you know, shed many tears for that and would probably let it happen. But then on the other side, you know, uh, you alluded yourself to a possible bankruptcy and liquidation of the company. With a company like this, is what are you liquidating exactly? And uh, and if you're if you're a creditor, do you have the ability to grab unfinished real estate project? And then what do you do with that? At the same time, is uh, you gonna have I don't know hundreds or thousands of people who have paid for the apartments that are still not finished, demonstrating in the streets or rioting or whatever. Mm. It's um, it's I think it's an extremely messy situation. We're not we're not talking here about you know a, a company manufacturing widget or whatever going bankrupt and and the creditors get control of the company, they liquidate the equipment and they sell it at a discount and all of that. This is a very different uh, scenario here. So mm. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would assume that the cheapest uh, solution overall for public finances in particular and so on would probably be to let some investors lose money. But then then you got to be very careful that it doesn't, uh, you know, damage the ability of projects being finished and apartments being given to people who paid for that. Yeah. And I guess what maybe a possibility too is get a stronger real estate company to take it over similar to, you know, what we had in the US uh, with the, some of the cases, Bank of America taking over Merrill Lynch and, and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. But it, it, I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to see, you know, that there are a lot of much stronger, I mean, Everything is relative <laughs> in life, yeah. but you know, generally speaking, uh, very few real estate developers in China that that are in very good shape, especially among the bigger ones, except potentially some that are SOEs like China Resource and so on. But otherwise, at the level of the private enterprises, I think most of them are not uh, particularly in great shape. Wow. And Given the size of Evergrande, you would need quite a sizable uh, company to be able to take to handle, you know, right. projects of this size across China. Right, right. No, you're right. It's definitely, a, I guess, if it, if it was an easy problem to fix, someone would have fixed it by now. I think so. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how it uh, pans out. Although, probably should be some answers soon. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with that. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening this week. Join us again next week for another edition of China Inc., when we'll look once more at all the latest trending China business top. Hope to see you all then. Goodbye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye. <laughs>